join us as we worship this morning. Give her of every breath I breathe. Oh, give her of every breath I breathe. Author of all eternity. Give her of every perfect thing. To you be the glory. Maker of heaven. Maker of heaven and of earth. No one can comprehend your word. King over all the universe. To you be the glory. Because I'm alive in you. It's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It covers me and raises dead man's life. It's all because. We find true life. So sing this praise this morning. Give her of every breath. Oh, give her of every breath I breathe. Author of all eternity. Give her of every perfect To you be the glory. Maker of heaven. Maker of heaven and of earth. No one can comprehend your word. King over all the universe, to you be the glory. And I'm alive because I'm alive in you. Covers me and raise this dead man's life. Yeah, yeah. It's all because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus I'm alive.
And you may notice there's some new faces up here this morning. We've got some college students that are home and some workers who have been working in other places. And we're so delighted to have Brent and Hope and Celia up here with us and Jared back here and Justin. And uh, it's a delight to have them up here playing with us this morning. Over uh, 200 years ago, John Newton wrote the words to Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. Now, it hasn't always been sung to that particular tune. Uh, It was sung to another tune, but when that particular text came to America, we started singing, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. And that was the tune that it was sung to for many, many years. And just recently, Chris Tomlin has put this great chorus on the end of that, and we're going to share that with you this morning. Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone.
Oh, Lord, let us pray. Oh, Lord, we are forever yours. Lord, you're ours. We are all. You are all. Oh, Lord, help us to realize that we are so dependent on you, that all we have, all we are, is because of you and your grace, your amazing grace and your amazing love. And, Lord, in that spirit, help us to give just a token back to, from all you have blessed us with. Oh, Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we desire to walk in that grace, to live in that grace. Oh, Lord, help us in your spirit. Help us now give and help the gifts be used to your kingdom and for your glory. We pray these prayers in Christ's name, our Savior. Amen. We're doing a couple new ones with you guys this morning. Um, I just wanted to quickly introduce this next one. This next song is called To Know Your Name. Um, It's basically a song that just praises God um, for his love, the love of a father that would would give his son for people um, who are in rebellion, the love of a son who would lay down his life um, for us. And it it basically, in humility, just says that that God, we're undeserving of this. Um, And it talks about how how our life should look, how, how when we wrap our lives around Jesus Christ, how he transforms us um, and he fills us. And so this is kind of, I know out of convention for how y'all, y'all normally do early service, but after the plates have passed you, if you would like, I'd like you to stand with us. I'd like you to participate with us um, in this song and worship this morning. And if, if you don't know this song, if you just want to meditate on the love of God, I really just want us to, to, um, to hone in on that and that to be our focus um, as a group, as, as just God the Father, God the Son loves us this much. What should our response be, not only here on Sunday, but how should that transform our lives, um, that a God would send his son to die just so that we might know his name? Saved his love and he took my place. 
sing another one. <laughs> yeah. Not that you didn't want to hear the sermon, but that uh, the music was so good. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. 
The sermon is entitled Singing in Jail. Have you ever thought about how strange it is that Paul and Silas are in jail and they are praising God and singing at midnight? It doesn't just say they're in jail, they're basically underneath the jail uh, in stocks. And they've been beaten with rods before they were put in jail. And uh, that's just strange to me that there they were singing and praising God. And so I want us to look at that today. The sermon's entitled Singing in Jail, Acts 16, 25 through 34. Because whatever Paul and Silas had that night in jail, I don't know about you, but I want it. I want to have the kind of witness that, that is unexpected for the Lord. I want, to, I want to be the kind of person that is not like everybody else, responding like everybody else responds, but out there doing something differently. And as a result... Glorifying God. Acts 16, verse 25. Uh, as it leads up to this verse, um, Paul is being followed by a girl who has a spirit of divination. And he says to her, I charge you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it came out of her. And her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone. And so they had Paul and Silas dragged before the magistrates in the city. And the magistrates had them beaten with rods and put into jail. So this is what happens in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What hymns do you think they were singing? Psalms? That was their hymn book, wasn't it? And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately... All the doors were opened and everyone's fetters were unfastened. So not only were they in jail, but they were also fettered with shackles. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Men, what must I do to be saved? And they said, listen to, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all that were in his house. And he took them in that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once with all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced with all his household that he had believed in God. Let's pray. Father, as we read this passage about Paul and Silas, we know that you're in control, and we know that nothing surprises you. But somehow you can use the suffering and the pain and the heartache that your children experience to build in us a character that will sing your praise no matter what the circumstance. In Jesus' name you pray. Amen. You know, there are a lot of folks right now that when sickness comes into their life or, or sadness or some misfortune, immediately they blame God and they wonder why He allowed something like that to happen to them or to someone they loved. And then there are others who, when, when something difficult or when an illness or when sadness comes into their lives, 
They see it as, as a way to grow in their faith, to trust God, knowing that God's grace is going to be sufficient no matter what. What's the difference between those kinds of people? And, and how can I be more like Paul and Silas is? Paul and Silas are as they, as they sing underneath the jail. I want to start with an illustration this morning, and it basically says what I want this message to say. And uh, just hear it and, and hold it in the back of your mind. It's a story about a, a farm family, and the winter was colder than usual. In preparation for the evening, the father and the son made the nightly trip out to the woodshed. And the father was chopping wood, and a neighbor joined them to, to enjoy some small talk. When the chopping was completed, the son lifted out, put his arms out, and his father began to pile the wood into his arms. And soon the little fellow was so laden with wood that he was kind of leaning forward. And the neighbor who's watching all this said, son, don't you think you have about all that you can carry? And instantly the boy looked up into the neighbor and said, sir, my father knows exactly how much I can bear. Now take that story and kind of put it in the back of your mind and we'll come back to it at the end. Because that's, that's the message I want to communicate to you this morning. God knows exactly how much we can bear. It reminds me of uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13. I'm going to give you some good verses here if you're dealing with difficulty or, or struggling. 1 Corinthians 10.13, I fall back on a lot of time and use a lot of times in counseling. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. But God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your strength. But with the temptation will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure. What does that verse say? It says basically the same thing the story did. That God knows how much you can bear. And he will never, never allow more to be put on you than you can carry. We're talking about Paul and Silas and they're in jail. And and what is their secret? I mean, look at this. They have been preaching. Um, a girl has an evil spirit who can divine the future, and her handlers are making a ton of money with her like a circus sideshow. And uh, Paul, she's following Paul and Silas, and he, she keeps saying, these men are servants of the Most High God. And finally, Paul turns to her and says, I charge you in the name of Jesus Christ, speaking to the Holy Spirit, to come out of her, and immediately the Holy Spirit comes out. And the owners realize that their source of income has suddenly diminished. And so they're angry at Paul and Silas, and they drag them in front of the city administrators. And they say, these men are Jews and are doing things that are not our customs as Romans to do. And they go on and on, and they whip up the crowd, and the crowd joins in. And, and finally, the magistrates give them permission to tear their garments off of them and beat them with rods. Now, if you've seen any of that rod beating, you know what I'm talking about. It's not very pleasant. They had inflicted many blows upon them. They put them in prison. So Paul and Silas, whipped, beaten, imprisoned, underneath the jail, in, in shackles, are singing praises to God. Have they lost their ever-loving minds? You know, I've been in jail before, not as a prisoner on this side, visiting And uh, let me tell you, the people in there are not singing. They're saying words that can't be repeated in here. But here Paul and Silas singing, and it is so shocking that it says that everybody else 
is listening to them. The prisoners were listening to them. Verse 25. It's just uh, it's something that is, is not done before. And it's surprising them all. Everybody in the story is upset. The, the, the people who own the girl, the girl herself, the magistrates, the, the city, uh, the jailer, the other prisoners in the jail. Everybody in this story is upset except Paul and Silas. And they are the only two who are unjustly imprisoned. Why is everything upside down? Why is everything backwards in this story? Why is it the only two people who have a right to be upset are the only two who are not? How can, how can you learn to sing in jail? I've got three points real quickly for you this morning. And I just want you to realize that whatever your circumstances, first thing, you have a choice. Second thing, you can choose joy if you want to. And the third thing, just remember that no matter what, Jesus is with you. The first thing I want you to see is that no matter what circumstance you're in, there's a choice that you have to make. Viktor Frankl was imprisoned in in, uh, one of the prison camps during the Holocaust. He wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And in that book, he said, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. You can choose what attitude you're going to have. You may not be able to choose your circumstances, but nobody can force you to have any different kind of attitude than you want to have, any different kind of response than you choose. Sometimes I hear people say, you know, when you do that, you just make me so angry. No, nobody makes you angry. You get angry because you choose to get angry in response to a given set of circumstances. I hear, I hear a husband or wife say sometimes, she just doesn't make me happy anymore. He just doesn't make me happy anymore. Guess what? Nobody can make you happy. Happiness is a choice that you can make in a given set of circumstances. You can't always decide your circumstances, but you can decide what response you're going to have to them. You have the freedom to control the response. George Buttrick used to say, the same sun, let me see if I can get it straight, the same sun that hardens the clay can melt the wax. So it depends on what your response is. Are you going to be clay when the sun shines and grow hardened? Are you going to become wax and let it melt you? You have the response no matter what circumstances. And you can see things in different perspectives than anyone else. You have that choice. I was reading a story about General Creighton Adams. I think it was during World War II. I've been watching war movies again this weekend because D-Day is is coming up. General Creighton Adams was completely surrounded by the enemy army. Completely surrounded. And he said, men, for the first time in the history of this great campaign, we are finally in a position to attack the enemy in any direction. That's a a response you can take when you're surrounded. And that's what he chose to take. Paul and Silas are in prison. And 99.9% of us sitting in that same circumstance with rod whelps on our backs underneath the prison in shackles would be whining to God, why did you let this happen to me? Was I not faithfully serving you? Why do you treat your servants like this? 
What, what good is it to follow you if this is a treatment we're going to get? 99.9% of us, I promise you, would be saying that. But Paul and Silas are down there singing psalms, singing hymns, praising God for the privilege of serving Him, for the privilege of being found worthy to be imprisoned and to be shackled. They were different. They had a choice. And the second thing I want you to see is they chose to be joyful. Yes, believe it or not, no matter what circumstance you're in, you can choose joy because you are free to have that kind of response. John 5.11, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus has given us the things we need to have his joy in us. And not just a little bit of joy, but enough joy that our joy cup can be full and overflowing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, 16 and 18, Paul says, Rejoice evermore in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul says you can rejoice always. Jesus says, I have given you my joy so that your joy can be full. We can have joy even in the midst of suffering. I know it sounds crazy, but that's what Paul and Silas were able to do. It's the Christian joy is not the result of all circumstances finally being perfect because that'll never happen. Christian joy is the result of Jesus Christ living in you and you obeying him and depending on him and the resulting power that you have is, is, that comes from being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Your purpose for living has to be higher than your circumstances. Otherwise, your circumstances are going to be up and down and up and down, and one day you're going to be excited for Jesus, and the next day you're going to be down and, and up and down. But joy is a choice you can make. It is a response you can choose so that no matter what your circumstances, God's joy can be in you and that joy can be complete. Paul had a reason. He had a purpose. And that purpose never wavered. His purpose was to be on mission for Jesus Christ. And that way, no matter what circumstance, no matter if he is preaching in front of the council at Corinth or underneath the prison in shackles, he's still proclaiming God's praise. And God's word is going forth. Paul's mission never changes, even though his circumstances are crazy. He's still able to use them to praise God. The final thing I want you to see is that you have a choice. You can choose joy and that no matter what, Jesus is going to be with you. You remember what he said in the Great Commission? Go into all the world, baptize, teach, and lo, what? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a promise we, we can claim in any circumstance, guys. Jesus is going to be with us always. He's always going to make a difference. And because of that, there are three things that can happen through our suffering. The first thing is that God can find a purpose in it. And I hope that helps you sometimes knowing that, that even when bad things are happening, that God is able to bring something good from it. We hear Romans 8:28 all the time. We know that in everything God works together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. 
What does that mean? Does that mean everything is going to be good? No. That means that even in the worst of circumstances, that God can reach down and find some redeeming quality, some, some possibility to take it and make something good come from it. He has that ability, and he gives us that promise. He, he tells us that he is in the business of finding some redemptive purpose in every bit of suffering so that it's not wasted. Don't always know what it is. Rarely, as a matter of fact, rarely do you know what his redemptive purpose is until down the road and you can look back in retrospect and say, oh, God, now I see what you were teaching me in that. Now I see how you work that for good. But in the middle of it, I couldn't see it. But now looking back on it, I can. The, other, the second thing I want you to see is sometimes our suffering can help others. It can inspire other people. How many times have you seen somebody suffer and it has been an encouragement and an inspiration to you? I don't know who it, who it might have been. It might have been someone that you just knew in passing. It might have been a best friend. And, and yet you saw how they bore up with faith in, in the midst of terrible circumstances. And it inspired you and taught you and gave you a lesson that you never forgot. I remember, I mean, I was just... Good night, six or seven years old. And we were on our way home from church one day, and, and mom kind of did some outreach with homebound in our church in Decatur. And we stopped by this man's house. His name was, was Forrest Turner. Never forgot it. And uh, this was the day before the kinds of back surgeries we had today, but he had injured his back severely at work and was in excruciating pain around the clock and spent 24 hours a day basically lying in, in bed. And mom took me by to meet him, you know, and I, I watched him and I saw his gentle, sweet countenance, knowing what he was going through and his wife's tender care of him day in and day out. And mom and I prayed for him and we left. And that, that had a profound impact on me because I, I saw there that no matter what circumstance, no matter how much pain, no matter what quality of suffering, God can use it to inspire others and to make a difference in their lives. So God can, Jesus is with us, and as a result, God can bring something good from every circumstance. He can use it to inspire others. The third thing with suffering is he can use it to help us. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Philippians 3.10. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. That was Paul's desire to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Boy, that sounds great. I want to know Jesus power. But then Paul goes on from there. It says, and the fellowship of his suffering. I don't know many people desiring to know the kind of suffering that Jesus had. But there's no way to, to know Jesus without that. We want the good without the struggle. We want to, to know the power of Jesus' resurrection and ignore the suffering. And Paul says it's all bound up there together. You can't know one without the other. And so Paul says, I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. And, and when you go through suffering, one of the things that can happen as a result is that God can teach you 
a little bit more about his love for you because he sent Jesus through suffering even greater than that because he loved you and it was necessary for the forgiveness of your sins. There was a man who lived down in a valley and up on the mountain was a, was a monastery. And the man down the valley just thought the people up in the monastery must have some kind of wonderful life because they were up there in the clouds and they lived close to God and it just must have been perfect up there. And so one day a monk was down there in the valley doing some business, conducting something, and, and, and this man, this, this townsman said, you know, he said, what's it like up there? It must be wonderful. Y'all just have it made, don't you? You live so close to heaven and, and you just get to worship God all the time. What's, what's your life like? And the monk responded, you know, mainly we just fall down and we get back up. And we fall down and we get back up. And we fall down again and we get back up. That's what life in the monastery was like. And we think that our lives are going to be somehow different from that. But the truth is that life is a series of ups and downs, good times and bad times. And the important thing is when life knocks us down, to use that as an opportunity to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ who had not only the power of the resurrection, we can also have the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. You know, Rick Warren says that God is more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. And he is in the business of building your character. And sometimes suffering raises the temperature enough to build the kind of character that God wants us to have. I was going through uh, not a particularly happy time in my life, and uh, a guy came up and gave me Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. And you probably heard these verses before, but occasionally I keep going back to them. And it's, it's a sequence of events that builds upon tough times. <clears throat> it says, more than this, We rejoice in our sufferings. Listen to the sequence. Knowing that sufferings produce endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. Paul's rejoicing in his suffering. Why? Because suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint because of the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. So when suffering comes your way, when hardship, pain, difficulty, where you have the freedom to rejoice in it because God is building in you a character and a hope that will never disappoint you and that will guide you to lean on him. God knows exactly how much weight you can bear. And he wants to build in you a character where you can sing even in jail. Let's pray.
Father, we know that you promise that you will not weigh us down with any more than, than we are able to bear. It just seems like a lot of times it comes awful close to the edge. And we see some fellow Christians collapse sometimes under the weight. And we don't understand and, and we don't know why. <clears throat> but we want to be like Paul and Silas. And if it means putting us through difficulties in order to produce endurance and character and hope, conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ, who knew not only the power of his resurrection, but also the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. God, we want to walk so closely with you and have the kind of relationship with you that when hardship comes, we'll be an inspiration to others and we'll learn from it just how much you love us because we'll be reminded that you're with us always, even to the end of the age. I pray for those in our congregation suffering today and those watching by television. Father, that you'll bless and be with them and sustain them and use this hour of, of trial and testing to prove their character, to prove how strong they are in their love and in their faith and trust in you. And Father, if there are others who have been through difficult times and just given up and thrown in the towel, today, Lord, convict them and bring them back. Help them realize that suffering does not come from your hand, but you can use it still to create something good. Help us love you and trust you and grow in good days, but especially in bad ones. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll be at the front to receive you if you have a decision to make. We're going to sing a hymn of commitment a time of consecration. We had several professions of faith in Bible school this past week, maybe Some of you here this morning are ready to respond publicly, um, professing your faith, rededicating your life, joining our church. Whatever decision, I'll be here. Let's stand together and pray and sing as we come. All who are weak, come to the fountain. Dip your heart in the stream of life Let the pain and the sorrow Be washed away In the waves of His mercy As deep cries out today We sing, come Lord Jesus
let all who 